this is the first time I've actually gone to Montana. And I'm really delighted to be with you here for the weekend and to share in the good word of the Lord. We're getting set up here. Give us a moment. I suffered an injury to my voice 29 years ago that left my voice very small, and we are working the sound system so that I can be heard. Are they doing a good job? They've got it. Awesome. And we have a handout for tonight's teaching, so if you did not get a handout, wave, and we will get one to you right now. Everybody wants to get a handout. So I love that I've got Zeke and Josh and Titus right here on the front row. I'm really going to preach now. I just have to say it. He's the Lord, my healer. He's promised, and I know you're good to your promise, and I'm in the story to the very end. So I'm just, I'm just saying is all. You're not listening to my last chapter. But I'm not looking at your last chapter either, because we're all of us in a journey with the Lord. And I'm just delighted to share that journey with you tonight. Now, I've got what, what I'm going to share with you tonight is just, I kind of feel pregnant, okay? So we're just going to dive into it. It's going to take us a little while to work through it. So hope you can be patient. And we're going to take on a pretty substantial passage tonight. Pastor, do we have a reader of our scripture? It's going to be Daniel. Did I get it right, Daniel? Okay, uh, so we are going to read in just a few moments our scripture, which is Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. We're going to be looking tonight at the parable of the sower. This is Jesus' blockbuster parable. It's the Mount Everest of all the parables, the most significant, and it's relevant to every one of us in every season of life. So it doesn't matter where you're at tonight. This parable is going to nail all of us. Are you ready for this? Let's pray, Lord. We thank you for this privilege of being gathered with such excellent friends and saints. And now, Lord, would you help us in the speaking and in the hearing? May we hear what you are saying to us personally through this scripture, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, what I want to 
invite you to do is have your Bible open to Mark 4 and have the handout also, because as we go through our teaching tonight, I am not going to repeat, I'm not going to read the verses again. I'm just going to say like verse 3, verse 4, so you can have that scripture right at your hand and you can refer to it. So keep it right there. And uh, But for now, Daniel's going to help me. He's going to lift his voice and work. Oh, he's got a mic. And we're going to read the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. Thank you, Daniel. Our parable has unusual emphasis placed on it by Jesus. In verse 3 he says, listen, behold. He says, I want you to hear this parable and I want you to see it. In fact, it's such a visual parable that I was able to give you a chart in your notes that just puts it in front of you in a visual kind of way. So that chart, just feel free to refer to it as we go through the teaching tonight. It makes it very visual. So Jesus is saying, I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. And then at the end of the parable, he goes, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the emphasis that Jesus puts on this parable is stunning. It's a charge from the master. See this one and hear this one. Verse 4, he talks about the wayside. The wayside was a footpath that would go past the garden, past the field. So that traffic that had to go past that way would go along the wayside. In verse 5, he speaks of stony ground. Stony ground is where there's, there's stones in the ground. And when the seed gets in the ground, the roots can't go deep enough because the stones impede the roots from going deep. And because of a lack of depth, there's not enough moisture and the seeds become scorched when, uh, when the heat gets turned up. In verse 7, he talks about thorns. Thorns, the bad stuff always seems to grow faster than the good stuff. And thorns are going to choke out the good stuff. Then in verse 8, he talks about the good ground. And he said that the good soil produces some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. If you ever drive past a cornfield, you will actually see that with your own eyes. You'll see some corn is here, some corn is here, and some corn is here. Jesus uses the word crop in verse 8. And then in verse 20, he uses the word fruit. It's the same idea. And I'm going to talk about fruit in our teaching tonight because Jesus uses that word actually quite frequently in his ministry. And uh, so fruit and crop interchangeable. And let's begin with this question. What is spiritual fruit? I'm going to give 
my answer. And no, I'm not sure it's the best answer, but it's the best one I've got right now. Okay, Daniel will, will help me out after the meeting. Uh, here's my definition tonight. Spiritual fruit is any gospel, any godly deposit or quality that makes it into the age to come. Only God can measure fruit because he's the only one who knows what of this life makes it into the age to come. If it's for this life only, then it's not kingdom fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. He wants our fruit to remain forever. And true spiritual fruit remains forever. Now, the world does a lot of good, benevolent things, but they don't glorify Jesus in their benevolent acts. And it actually becomes a good deed that is for this life only. And so it's not enduring fruit. The Bible actually calls it dead works because they are for this life only. We want to be uh, doing good works that have eternal benefit and are recognized forever. Uh, this definition is really helpful for me in everyday life. I've been asking this question, Rachel, quite frequently. What I'm doing right now, is it for this life only, or does it have eternal implications to it? And I think that's a, that's a, a good question to ask. Now, there are times that we do stuff that we just recognize, you know what, what I'm doing right now is just for this life only. I just recognize that. For example, I love my chainsaw. I'm just saying, I love to cut up firewood, but when I'm cutting up firewood, I just recognize this is for this life only, and I don't want my life to be consumed with the stuff just for this age. I want to be investing in heaven. I want to bear fruit in an eternal way. It probably keeps me young and helps my body to stay fit. And so, in that sense, Paul says, eh, godly exercise, you know, exercise has a, a little bit of value because it kind of keeps you able to function and you can then uh, produce spiritual fruit. But I'm looking to produce eternal spiritual fruit. So, some examples of eternal fruit. I think these are in your notes. Uh, friendship with Jesus. When you are investing in a friendship with Jesus in prayer, what you build in your friendship with Jesus here goes with you forever. Christ-like character, godliness, humility, faith, love, the character qualities of Christ, everything 
exist in your life that is Christ-like, it's yours forever. Number three on our list, spirit and power, good works. Number four, edifying the body of Christ. Five, winning souls. Number six, wise financial stewardship. It's remarkable that Jesus said we can actually leverage the rotting resources of this planet and use them to invest spiritual treasure in heaven. That's eternal. We can actually be fruitful in how we steward our finances. Number seven on your list, indirect persecution. So that's just a beginning list. Uh, many ways that we want to be fruitful, producing spiritual fruit. We want to be 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold fruitful. Now, what did Jesus mean by 30, 60, 100? I'm going to give you my answer. I'm not saying it's the only answer, it's just my answer, okay? I think Jesus means percentages. A 30-fold Christian, in my estimation, my opinion, is someone who is producing fruit 30% of their calling and potential. A 60-fold Christian, they're producing 60% of the calling and potential that is, is on their life, and 100%. So, and, and I don't see it as three slots, so I don't think that everybody in the room is like, either you're a 30, you're a 60, or you're a 100. I think Jesus was indicating a spectrum. So you can be anywhere, in my opinion, from one to a hundred percent fruitful according to your capacity, according to your calling, according to the potential of what God has put in your life. Not comparing it to anybody else, just what he's put into your life. And I think every one of us in the room tonight is like, I would love to be a hundredfold Christian. I think on a Saturday night, those are the kind that come out to a Saturday night meeting, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I've got my friends with me tonight. If you know what I mean, Rick, my friends are in the house. Verse 11. Jesus explains the purpose of the parables. And he says the purpose is to reveal truth and to conceal truth. If you're sincere, a parable will reveal truth to you. And you'll go like, oh my goodness, that's me. And if you're insincere, the parable actually conceals truth. So you're just confused by it, like, what's he talking about? That's the purpose of parables. Verse 14, the imagery of our parable, and I think it's in your notes. The sower is Jesus, the seed is the word of God, and the soil is the hearts of the hearers. 
And if you look at this uh, chart that we got here for you, Titus, you'll see on the chart that there's four kinds of soil. There's a trampled heart, there's a shallow heart, there's a neglected heart, and there's a fruitful heart. These are the four kinds of soils that Jesus describes in our parable. And the first tree bear no fruit, and thus are taken away. The fourth kind of heart is a good heart that produces fruit. It could be maybe even just 1%. But if you are producing even 1% of your calling and capacity in God, it means something to him. It's only those that produce no fruit that are taken away. But I don't want to stay at 1%. I want to become more fruitful. So now let's look at the four kinds of hearts that Jesus describes. Verse 15 talks about the trample heart. Now, Titus, you could call this one the hard heart. Heart, if you want to. Trampled heart, hard heart. It's the same idea. Here's the idea, Titus, that we're talking about. You've got a footpath that goes right along the field, and it was where people would walk, and it's where animals would walk to get from point A to point B. And where people are walking, you know what happens when you walk on ground. It gets trampled down and hard so that when the seed falls on that kind of ground, it just bounces off the ground. And then Jesus said, the birds come and steal the seed. And he said, the birds are Satan. He is describing a hard-hearted unbeliever who is hearing the word of God. You know, unbelievers have more opportunities to hear the Word of God today, maybe than in all history. I'm talking about YouTube. I'm talking about TV. There's all kinds of media outlets. Unbelievers are have potential today to hear some of the most powerful preaching of world history. But because their hearts are hardened and trampled, the seed of the word just bounces off, and the birds are right there, the demons are right there to steal the word of God as it comes. Listen to me, Titus. I love that you're right here, man. It is a kindness when the Word of God shakes you, when the Word of God grips you, when it puts a headlock on you, when something inside of you can't get free because the Word of God, that means the Word of God has found access to your heart. Thank God when the Word of God God, when you wrestle because the Word of God has hit you where you live. Verse 16, 
This is the stony ground, the shallow ground. And uh, stones are things that don't allow us to put down deep roots. If you don't know what this is about, just talk to Rancher Rick over here and he'll tell you all about stones and how they don't allow the roots to go deep. So uh, when I talk about, Josh, when I talk about the shallow heart, what I mean is shallow roots. The roots of the plant only go so far, and then the stones hinder the roots from going deeper. This, uh, Jesus said that this person who has a shallow heart receives the word initially with joy. They actually enjoy the gospel. They're like, yes, Jesus, I love it, the cross. Yes, I'm forgiven. And there's this initial response of repentance and faith and the joy is real. But the word only penetrates them at a surface level because of stones. What are the stones? Can I give you my interpretation of it. Just do with it what you want. I think the stones represent pockets of sin and compromise. When a smart gardener encounters a stone in the ground, they get rid of it. Because if you find a stone in your garden and leave it there, that stone is going to hinder your garden and your the, the crop will suffer. Stones can actually kill a garden. And Jesus is talking about a stony heart that is so stony, so many pockets of sin and compromise that they actually lose their salvation because they never dealt with the stones in their heart. Pastor Tim, you've probably experienced what I'm about to say, but I have baptized people that have baptized them in water. They, When they were baptized, they had such joy. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But they never dealt with the stones in their heart. And you come back a few months later, they're gone. Because if you're going to endure in the faith, you have to deal, get rid of the stones in your heart. They actually can knock you out. Verse 18, thorns, the Montana word for that is weeds. Thorns represent neglect in the Bible. Here's my verse for it. It's on your sheet. Proverbs 24, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. The lazy man had neglected 
did his field, and instead of getting rid of the weeds as they grow up, he was too lazy, Zeke, to weed his garden, and the weeds just took over, because how many people have enough experience to know if you don't go after the weeds, they will take over your garden. And so this lazy guy, he's like, he neglected his garden. And so that's why on your craft, Zeke, I've got the neglected heart because this is describing the person who has neglected to take care of the weeds that want to choke out the good word of God. What are the weeds? Well, it's the stuff of everyday life, the natural pursuits of life that distract us from growing our hearts in God. We should have put our energies into the kingdom first, but instead we gave our energy first to the things of this life. And those weeds want to crowd out and suffocate the word of God in our lives. The neglected heart. Then verse 20, the fruitful heart. These are the ones sown on good ground. Good, fruitful heart. That's you. That's me tonight. We are in this room. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-we have good hearts, and we are, each of us, producing fruit. Now, all of us in the room want to be 100-fold fruitful. We want to enter into the full capacity of what God intends for our lives. Because, uh, Josh, we, we, we kind of feel like this. Jesus suffered on the cross so extravagantly that he deserves our everything. And because of his cross, I want to be a 100-fold fruitful Christian that is pleasing to his heart and is laboring with him in the harvest. And yet, Josh, not all of us in this room tonight are 100-fold Christians. Why not? That's what we're going to look at tonight. Why are we not 100-fold Christians? And the answer, I believe, is right here in our parable. And we're going to look at it together. It's a huge issue. And it's simply this. Not all Christians are 100-fold fruitful because of three hindrances. Birds, stones, and weeds. That's our problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's the birds, the stones, and the weeds. They hassle every one of us in the room. And tonight we're going to look at it and go after it as the Lord helps us. The degree to which you overcome the birds, the stones, and the weeds is the degree.
pray to which you will be fruitful. A thirtyfold Christian is somewhat victorious, but mostly not. A sixtyfold Christian is mostly victorious, but somewhat not. And a hundredfold Christian has found victory in the grace of God over the birds, the stones, and the weeds. Are you ready to go there? Let's do it. So let's talk about the birds, our first hindrance. Every Christian in this room is hassled by birds. Jesus said they're demons. And when our heart has been trampled by traffic and has become hardened in an area, demons are ready to steal the word of God that falls on any hardened part of our heart. Listen to me. There is spiritual warfare happening in your life every time you hear the Word of God. You are a war zone every time. Because the devil is watching. Can he steal some of that seed? Now, you've got a good heart, which means he can't steal all of it. But he'll steal as much as he can. Even if it's just a little bit, he'll steal as much as he can. And the issue is, the traffic in our lives has hardened a, a patch of our heart. And now when the seed of God's word falls onto that hard area of our heart, it bounces. That's what happens, Titus, on the hard heart. The seed bounces, and the demons are, eat that right up. Because birds love seeds. And when a demon can steal a seed of God's word from your heart, it energizes and feeds that demon. He's trying to steal from you tonight. It's a war zone tonight, Grace. Somebody says, well, are you saying that a fruitful Christian can have hard areas in their heart? Well, Jesus was the one who said it, actually. He said to the disciples in Mark 8, 17, he said, is your heart still hardened? Remember the story? He had just multiplied food for 5,000. Then he multiplied food for 4,000. And then when he talked about leaven, the disciples thought he, that he was scolding them for forgetting to bring bread. And he's like, is your heart still hardened? Don't you get it? We're talking 
talking about the disciples. But they had hard patches still in their hearts. Another example, Jesus said that when believers divorce, it's because of a hard heart. Or uh, Matthew 19, verse 8. When Christians divorce, you know what's interesting about this? When Christians divorce, when you talk to them, they are some of the most spiritual people. And they will talk to you about the Word of God with tears coming out of their eyes because they've got all this soft area in their heart and they just love all this stuff. But they've got a hard patch over here. And when it comes to their spouse, the traffic in the relationship has trampled their hearts down and now they have a hard heart related to their spouse. And when they read in the Word how they're supposed to handle their spouse, it's kind of like, okay, Josh, it's seed that just hits the ground and bounces and the birds. Christians divorce one another for one reason. Sin. We sin against each other. I've actually got a lot to say about that because when your spouse sins against you, Jesus said, rebuke your spouse. And he said, you, you confront them. You must not allow your spouse to sin against you, even if they're a Christian, especially if they're a Christian. Because if you allow sin in your relationship and don't deal with it, your hearts will be hardened by the traffic of the sin in your relationship, and it will end in divorce. Take care of sin in your relationship. Rebuke your spouse. That's what Jesus said. Amen. <laughs> if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Well, that's, uh, that's not really my topic. Let's get back on here. <clears throat> so the hard heart is trampled, Zeke, by three kinds of traffic. First of all, there's people traffic, people walking past that field. Because back in the days of Jesus, it's not like you had uh, the state of Montana building highways, you know what I'm saying? It was, you just had to get from there to there, and it just so happened to go right past your field. And so part of your field was a walkway for people to walk through. And people traffic. People will trample your heart. Most people in the world 
do not speak the language of faith, they speak the language of unbelief, and your interactions with people in the world are going to trample your heart. You want to believe what God is saying, but the narrative of everything around you supports a different narrative. When you're connecting with co-workers, with customers, with your boss, with your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, with your doctor, with your school teachers, when you're with other students, with your neighbors, the people around your life are trampling your heart with their words. It's not malicious. They're not trying to trample your heart. They're just being good old Joe, if you know what I'm saying. But because they are not people of faith, and they're not speaking the living words of Christ, they're speaking words of unbelief, and they trample your heart. So people trample our heart. The next thing that tramples our heart in the parable, Zeke, are animals. Because in this in this culture, you would have a shepherd come through with a flock of 20 sheep, and they would just walk right past your field and trample on the wayside. And beasts trample our hearts. What are the beasts that trample our hearts? I'm going to give you my answer. It's from Psalm 73, verse 22. The psalmist goes, and it's in your notes, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. So the psalmist is talking about his foolishness. And foolishness in the Bible is almost always connected to unbelief because there's nothing more foolish in the eyes of Jesus Christ than unbelief. He says, how, he says, how you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in what the prophets have spoken. So there's this profound biblical connection between foolishness and unbelief. And the beasts are things that trample our hearts in unbelief. So here's some examples of beasts that can trample your heart. Are you ready for this one, Titus? Beasts that can trample your heart. A, B, C, N, B, C, C, B, S, Fox, CNN, HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Discovery Plus, Apple TV, Pandora, Disney. Are you catching my drift, Titus? <laughs> when you watch the evening news, your heart is being trampled. When you allow yourself to watch an R movie, buckle up. You are about to be trampled. If you look at the chart, Josh, you will see that the main issue with a trampled heart is unbelief. 
causes of our culture. Well, they're beastly. The beasts of our culture will trample your heart hard so that we don't believe. And then what happens to the seed when it falls on a hard heart? Bounces. Birds. But I think it's possible. I'm going to ask it as a question, Pastor Tim. Is it possible that there could be a third party trampling the wayside? The sower. Because the wayside would have been where the sower himself would have walked as he's servicing his field. Uh, ask Rancher Rick about this one. If you want to preserve your field, you're going to have a footpath where you will walk around that garden to preserve the field. And I wonder, is it possible that because of the way Jesus himself chooses to walk with us, that sometimes our hearts get trampled because he will wait, he will restrain himself, he will test us, we'll become disappointed sometimes. We can become heartsick over how Jesus walks with us. We can actually become offended with Jesus. Have you ever met anyone that was offended with God? because of how he chose to walk with them in their life. And we, I think we have to be careful of the people that trample our hearts, the beasts that trample our hearts, and be careful how you walk with Jesus. Because if you become offended at how he walks with you, we can actually become hardened with because of how Jesus himself chooses to walk. Is that okay? Okay. So here's what I'm suggesting tonight, my friends. You can have an isolated patch of hardness in your heart. Everything else in your heart is soft. Everything else in your heart receptive to the word. But there's this patch over here that's been trampled. And when the promises of God touch that part of our heart, it bounces off. We don't believe that that promise actually applies to us. So what should we do if we identify a patch of hardness in our hearts? Well, it's not enough to chase the birds away. How many know the birds are coming back? To deal with a hard patch in our heart, we've got to plow up. As it says in Jeremiah 4, verse 3, Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. And there, when you find a hard patch in your heart, do the hard work of plowing it up and making it soft again. Some of the hardest work a farmer will ever do is plowing up the hard turf. 
everlasting. Tears going after hard places in our hearts. Put up guardrails around your heart. Because there is some traffic that we are exposed to in this world that we can't control. You understand what I'm saying? Some stuff tramples our hearts and we have no ability to stop it. But there is some stuff trampling our hearts that we could have put a guardrail up. And we could have said, no, this one is not going to trample our heart. So let's be wise and put up some keep out signs and say, no, that one I'm not going to allow to trample my heart. But I'm saying, here's an important question to ask. Is there any hard part in my heart that has been trampled and is hardened to the Word of God so that when the seed of the Word falls on that heart patch, I don't bear fruit there. I want to deal with the hardness because I want to be a 100-fold fruitful Christian. Now, Titus, the stones. We just did the wayside, the hard heart. Now we're going to do the stones. All Christians have stones in their heart. Pockets of sin that hinder our roots from growing deeper. Now, hopefully, as you are with the Lord over the years, you'll just keep on getting rid of stones, and hopefully your garden is becoming freer and freer of stones. But I'm suggesting that every one of us in this room tonight has at some level stones in our hearts that we need to deal with. It's interesting how a stone will surprise you. Are there any gardeners in the room tonight? Anybody that's ever done a garden? I've got a few hands on that. Love that. And you get into a new season, and when you're working your garden, you will come across a stone that you're like, I swear, that stone was never in my garden. Where did that stone come from? Well, it was in your garden all along. The seasons of life will surface stones that you did not know were in there. And in, the, in a similar way, sometimes you'll be surprised at the stones that you'll bump into in your heart. You know, somebody will be like this. Well, praise God, I have no problem with fear. I have overcome fear, praise God. And then along comes 2020. And you find a stone in your heart, and you are like, my 
goodness, where was that thing? Where'd it come from? It just needed the right season to bring it to the surface. And here's what I'm saying. When you encounter a stone in your garden, go after that thing. Dig it up and root it out. Because if you tolerate it and just let it lie there, it will hinder you and you will not be a 100-fold Christian. Some examples of stones. Now these are just examples. They may even, I don't know if I put them in your notes. Unforgiveness. Is that there in the notes? Unforgiveness. I'm going to take my time with our list, okay? Let's just look at it slowly and carefully. Pride. Anger. Hatred. Bad habits. Dating an unbeliever. Envy. False doctrines. Cynicism. Evil speaking. Malice. Sexual sin. Covetousness. Foolish talking. Stubbornness. Fear. Just a sampling to give you a feel for the kinds of things that I think Jesus intended in our parable when he talked about stones. When you find a stone in your heart, get it out of there. Let me just slow down for a second, Daniel, and talk about sexual sin for just a moment. One of the sins that is tolerated by many Christians today, we're just going to go there. I'm just going to say it, porn. Porn, it may not knock you out of the kingdom but it will hinder your fruitfulness. It's a stone in the garden. And if you have a desire to become a 100-fold fruitful Christian, you will go after that one. I'm not saying it's conquered in five minutes. I'm saying you'll go after it and do the work of getting rid of that stone. The Lord gave me a masterful tool for getting rid of that stone. It's called A Covenant With My Eyes. I've written a book on it, and if anyone, I'm just going to recommend it if that's an issue and you want some help, I think it is the knockout blow to take care of this thing and, and regarding sexual temptation and consecration. So a covenant with my eyes. Take a look at that on your way out. If 
you don't see any stones in your heart right now. You know, as the preacher's talking, you're like, well, I'm not aware of any stones in my heart. No problem. God will show you. <laughs> you don't have to go looking. The Christian life is not a paranoid pursuit of introspection. The Christian life is a joyful enjoying of Jesus, but when he shows you a stone, now it's time to deal with it. He doesn't expect you to deal with the stone you don't see. But when you see it, go after it and engage with the Lord, engage, find someone to pray with, and go after that thing. <clears throat> I am putting anxiety in the category of a stone. I know it's a complex issue, but I think for many of us, anxiety is like a stone in our heart. And if you struggle with anxiety, here's my challenge to you. Go after it. What is the issue in your heart? Why is this thing still there? And do the hard work in the spirit of identifying it, digging it up, and getting it out. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I have struggled with anxiety this fall. Tim, I don't, I, I was like, where did this stone come from? I haven't struggled with anxiety like for, I don't remember. And this fall, the season changed. And I'm suddenly engaging with anxiety like, whoa. I went after it. Took my son. I said, come here. I said, you're going to be my confessor. I said, I'm confessing to you my sin right now. I am tempted with anxiety. And I asked him, I said, pray for me. My son prayed for me. It was a real simple prayer. And I have had about 95% victory ever since he prayed for me. And the other, the other 5%, I'm just in the battle. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm after this thing. Because... I want to be 100-fold fruitful. <clears throat> Judas Iscariot refused to deal with his stones. That's his problem. He had stones in his garden, and rather than engaging with Jesus and working at the stone, he covered it up and hid it. It took him a 
you have ears to hear if the birds aren't stealing from you right now. And if you have ears to hear, never cover your stones. Never. I don't care how much shame you may feel. Never cover those stones. Bring them into the light and just go, Jesus, it's ugly, it's horrible, and here it is. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to overcome it, but here it is. And when you find a stone, I'm telling you, get it into the light, confess it, talk to somebody, pray with someone, and engage with that stone. Peter, he's like, Peter had more stones in his heart than anybody. But he's just like this all the time with his heart just wide open. Here it is. Here's my issues. Be a Peter, not a Judas Iscariot. Okay, let's go on to the third one. Titus, the third one is Uda. The neglected heart. Here's the weeds, okay? We did the birds, we did the stones, now we're going to do the weeds. Let me ask you a question, Titus. Did your parents ever make you pull up weeds in their garden? <laughs> me too. It's the worst job on the planet. Oh. I'm going to say it. Every Christian in this room is hassled by weeds. Every one of us, the garden of our heart, were badgered by weeds. If you want weeds in your garden, I'm going to tell you what to do. Nothing. <laughs> do nothing and there they go. Because there's not a person in the room that plants weeds in your garden. You don't have to plant weeds in your garden. The seeds are already there. The winds are blowing those seeds that all winter long, the winter winds blew them all over your garden, and you don't even see them. But you go to plant a garden in the spring, and here come the weeds, because the winds of life are blowing weeds into every one of our gardens all the time. Four things about weeds. Number one, they always grow faster than the good stuff. Faster, higher, wider, thicker. And they're always out to choke the good stuff. Number two thing about weeds, they dominate. They are bullies. They overshadow. They gobble up all the light, all the moisture, all the nutrients. Jesus used the word choke. Weeds are bullies. Third thing about weeds, they take a lot of work. Just ask Titus. 
have a good crop. You have to do the hard work of chopping back those weeds. And number four, this is the worst part of the whole thing. They always come back. I hate this about weeds. We live right now in Missouri. I don't know what it's like here in Montana. I don't think it's as bad as it is in Missouri. When, If you were to come to Missouri and try to grow a garden in Missouri, our weeds are on steroids. <laughs> I, it, it, it's unbelievable. I am at war with the weeds around my yard. I have declared war with the underbrush. Our house happens to be on a little uh, piece of wooded acreage, and the underbrush in Missouri is horrific, and it always comes back. And just about the time that you think you have conquered your underbrush and pushed them back, guess what next year? They are back because the weeds are always coming back. I'm a man of war. I've got all kinds of artillery. I've got a mower. I've got an edger. I've got a shears. I've got a chainsaw. I love my chainsaw. <laughs> and I am at war with the weeds that are always trying to encroach on my yard and on my garden. What are the weeds? Jesus said in verse 19, he said, it's the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. You know, I'm over here, I'm trying to increase my income stream, I'm trying to pay my bills, I'm trying to make a living, I'm trying to buy groceries for my family, I'm trying to prepare for retirement, I'm trying to grow my career, I'm trying to buy this house, I'm, I want to actually own my car one of these days, and uh, you know, I do have a few things, I do like to play golf every once in a while, and I do like to shop, and I enjoy biking, and hiking, and hunting, and I like nice restaurants, and, and, uh, and somebody's like, Bob, are you saying that it's wrong to make a living and to pay the bills and own a house? No. I am saying the cares of life want to be first. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And it's that word first. That's the problem. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things are added to us. He wants to be our first pursuit. He wants to be our first love. He wants our first energies. But the cares of this life want to become first in our lives. They want to overgrow our energies and choke our heart. When you contrast the seed of God's word with the weeds in our parable, you are looking at the temporary versus the eternal. The weeds represent the temporary and the seed represents the eternal. And 
temporary things of life become first in our hearts, they choke out the eternal. Verse 19, the cares of this world, literally the word cares there means to divide the mind. That's the literal meaning of that Greek word, to divide the mind. So Jesus is talking about a divided focus. We have one eye on the temporary and we have one eye on the eternal. So. Uh, Zeke, I have called this one the distracted heart, but you could also call it the divided heart. You could also call it the distracted heart, the neglected heart, divided over between the eternal and the temporary. All of us have discretionary parts in our lives. What I mean by discretionary, Titus, that's a pretty fat word for a kid your age, okay? Let me explain. When you have a discretionary part of your life, for example, people will talk about discretionary funds. What they mean is, after you have paid all your bills, you bought the groceries, you paid the rent, you paid the car, all the gas, you have something left over. You got 50 bucks left over. It's discretionary funds. You can do with it whatever you want. And what we do with the discretionary parts of our lives, temporary or eternal, the discretionary time we have after we've done our homework, after we've done all the stuff we have to do, and we have some free time now, what do we do with our free time? Do we give it to the temporary or to the eternal? We have some energy left over. After all our energy has been used on the stuff it needs to be used on, I still have some energy left over. Where will I spend that energy? On the eternal or on the temporary. The temporary, I said it once, I'm going to say it again, it does not bear fruit. The eternal bears fruit. And all of us are in the room going, I want to be a 100-fold fruitful Christian. And Jesus is helping us. He says, those weeds. The temporary stuff of life are like weeds that want to choke out our fruitfulness. He talked about the deceitfulness of riches because money lies to you. Zeke, I want you to hear this, my bro. Money lies to you. It promises you things that it cannot deliver. And our culture is telling you, if you can just get enough money, it'll take care of it. Jesus called it the deceitfulness of riches because money cannot deliver the things that it promises. And our nation is deceived by money. 
our whole nation, our whole world, is deceived by money. <clears throat> Confession. I struggle with the love of money. I'm just being honest with you. The love of money wants to get my heart. And Katie, I'll go after that thing. I'll get out my chainsaw. And I'm like, okay, I know what this is. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. I do not serve money in the name of Jesus. I serve you, Lord. And I know how to fight that thing. I get out my chainsaw. I go after that thing and I hack it back. And thank you, victory. <laughs> Next year. I had victory over that thing a year ago. Those vines crawl right back along the ground and it's back. The weeds always come back. So I'm just ready to engage in this thing over and over and over again. This is what we must do, my friends. To be fruitful in the kingdom, you must constantly get out your machete and cut back the weeds that want to encroach on your heart. Desires for other things, pleasures of life. God has actually designed us for pleasure. God wants us to have pleasure. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And there are pleasures in knowing Jesus. There are pleasures in the kingdom that are actually eternal and bear eternal fruit. And the pleasures that are temporary want to encroach and over and choke out the eternal pleasures that Jesus invites us to. And we've got to go after those weeds, the temporary pleasures of life that want to choke out the eternal in our hearts. <clears throat> we are done. Your last verse there, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So I invite you to put your uh, Bible aside. If you want to keep that, keep that chart in front of you right now, that might be helpful as you talk to the Lord. We're just going to talk to the Lord right now. Talk to him about birds. Talk to him about stones. Talk to him about weeds. Just have a conversation. I just want to say, Lord, I really want to be hundredfold fruitful. I'm reaching for it. And I'm wanting, 
I, I want to keep progressing. Maybe I'm 43, I'm reaching for 44. Maybe I'm 44 full, I'm reaching for 45. I want to be ever increasingly fruitful in the kingdom of God. I'm just going on alert now, Lord. I've got to watch out for those birds. Any heart patches, show me. And Lord, I'm asking you to help me to engage the stones. When I come across them, help me to get rid of those stones. And the weeds, Lord, help me to do the warfare against those weeds over and over and over again. Lord, I, I pray for my friends tonight, Lord, that not a single seed will be lost tonight. That the devil will be able to steal nothing of this message from my heart tonight. Let it be mine. Let me take it from this room tonight and make it a part of my walk with you. I'm going to ask if our prayer teams would come forward, please. We've got some prayer teams that are going to be available to pray with anyone that is interested. And I'm going to ask the prayer team if they'd come and just stand here in the front. I've got a few things on my heart to to uh, to mention at this point. And here's, here's what we're going to do. As I mention something, if you are wanting to someone here in the front, then just come up while I talk about it, okay? Now, you don't have to deal with everything by coming forward and praying with somebody. Sometimes you can just do it in your seat. But sometimes, if you're listening, the Holy Spirit will just go, you need to get up there right now. And confess that one, and get some prayer, and talk to somebody and you'll know if the Holy Spirit gives you that nudge as I talk about it. Just obey Him. No seed stolen tonight. <clears throat> so if as we've talked about this tonight, if there is a stone in your heart that the Lord has shown you, you don't have to go looking for it. It's just right there. You're like, okay, I've got a stone. And the Holy Spirit's saying, just go up there and they'll pray with you right now. And you're just going to confess, I am going to do business with God until this stone is out of my garden. You're welcome to come forward. If there's an area of, of a weed, I talked about the love of money as an example. There's an, a, a weed that just wants to always keep on coming back. 
and, and, and it's like you have to fight that thing over and over. And you want someone just to pray with you. Come on forward. We'll pray with you. Just tell them, here's what just keeps on coming back. And I'm asking, would you stand with me and agree with me? I want victory over this weed that wants to choke my heart. You're welcome to come up. I was talking with Pastor Tim today about the uh, the gallus frames that you have here in uh, in Butte, and and I just saw somebody erecting a gallus frame of intercession over somebody that God's going to lead you in your heart, someone that he's he's going to put the name, he's going to give you the name, as in even right now, he's going to give you the name, and you're going to be like, I am going to erect a gallus frame of intercession over that person and pray for them. Go, I'm going to go digging deep in intercession for God to bring his purposes in that person's life. Just ask the Lord right now, Lord, is there someone that you want me to erect a gallus frame of intercession over that person and pray for them and pray them into the will of God. And if you want to come forward and pray with someone on that, you're welcome as well. Isaiah 44 verse 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. And there's someone in your life that York, that you have identified they actually are thirsty for the things of God, and the Lord has put it, is putting it on your heart that you are going to invest yourself in their life. You're going to invest prayer. You're going to invest time. You're going to invest money because you are recognizing someone who is thirsty and the Lord is putting it in your heart to go after them and invest in that thirsty soul. The Lord may give you a name right now. As we're in a place of prayer, I want to pray for our pastors for just a moment. Um, Tim and Julie, I want to pray for you. Are there any other pastors in the room? I want to pray for any pastors in the room. Any pastors, would you, all the pastors that are in the room, would you stand, please? Anyone here that's a pastor, I invite you to stand. <clears throat> in, in the scriptures, it says of Jesus that he has seven eyes. One of, that, one of the things that means for me is that he has vision coming out of his eyes. He sees everything, and he has a vision for Butte, Montana. He has a vision for this planet. And when we catch the what is in Jesus, seven eyes, because I think there's something about the seven eyes of Jesus that he actually wants to give to us to see as he sees, and I want to pray vision. I'm going to invite everyone in the room to extend your hand to one of our pastors. Heavenly Father, we ask for fresh vision from the 
the one with seven eyes and seven horns, Lamb of God, may you impart fresh vision to the pastors and the leaders in this room tonight in Jesus' name. Fresh eyes to see, fresh vision for what's in your heart. In the name of Jesus, we bless you with renewed vision by the power of the Holy Spirit, the seven eyes of the Holy Spirit inflaming and empowering and strengthening your heart for vision for the harvest, vision for Butte, Montana, vision for every person that you encounter, fresh vision in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm asking the Lord to release a gift of tears in this congregation. If you're up for receiving that, you're welcome to open your hands. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for a gift of tears. Tears represent love, and when love flows, tears begin to flow, and I'm asking for the Lord to bring a fresh flow of tears to the saints of God of Butte, Montana, tears of love, tears of repentance, tears of affection, tears of longing. Get ready for the tears to flow. Tears in worship, tears in prayer, a fresh release of tears in Jesus' name. If you're like, you know what, I, I'm really, I'm asking God for that. I want to really lean into that. Come on forward, we'll pray with you. God, open my tear ducts. I'm asking you, give me a fresh flow of love, fresh flow of tears. You're welcome to come forward for that if you want to. Somebody in the room tonight that struggles with concentration when it's time to read the Word of God. You sit down with the Word of God and your mind just kind of bounces and you lack the ability to really focus and concentrate. We wanna we wanna stand with you and fight with you right now. And if you if you come forward, our prayer teams here will fight with you and agree with you on prayer. And we agree in Jesus' name that this the distraction, the scatteredness, when it's time to come to the word of God, God is gonna give you grace to be focused as you come to the word of God. I want to ask the Lord for an opening of ears. You have a desire to hear in the Spirit, a desire to hear when you're in the Word of God. And I'm going to ask the Lord to open ears. If you come forward on this one, our prayer teams will actually lay their hands on your ears, and they will bless your ears to be open. Heavenly Father, I'm asking for a fresh grace for our ears to be opened by your grace, ears to hear in your Word ears to hear the prophetic voice of the Spirit, to hear what you are saying. Open our ears in Jesus' name. Be opened in the name of Jesus. As I was praying for tonight, I, 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 I sense that there, there's someone in our gathering tonight that there is a lack of 
there is, there's tension in your family, and the Lord wants to give you keys to bring peace to your family. And we want to agree with you on prayer. If you, you're like, I, I don't know how to bring peace to the strife that's in my family. We're here to agree with you on prayer. You're welcome to come forward and express that desire to the Lord. I want to pray and ask the Lord for a restoration of the joy of our salvation. If, and again, if you have struggled with the joy of your salvation, you're welcome to come and receive prayer. We'll stand with you and agree with you in prayer. I understand the fight with depression. I've personally engaged with the fight with depression for years. And there's the fight with depression is a twofold thing. Part of it, God wants us to exercise our faith and engage with with uh, with that thing. But there's a part of it that is demonically inflamed and we need to do warfare against the design of darkness. And I want to pray right now against demonic assignments to discourage and bring depression. And if you would want to get in on that prayer, you're welcome to lift a hand. Heavenly Father, I am praying right now for every design of darkness to bring, to discourage, to bring depression, despondency, and to rob your people of the joy of their salvation. And I'm asking in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would send warring angels now, fiery warring angels, to do warfare in Jesus' name. We establish a wall of fire around your people, a wall of fire around your mind, a wall of fire around your soul in Jesus' name. Strength from heaven to resist demonic assignments of depression and discouragement in Jesus' name. If you come forward, just tell the folks up here that you're coming here to of darkness that want to bring discouragement into your life and we will fight with you and agree with you and stand with you. I did this one time, Katie. I was in a fight of depression and I brought it to some friends and they prayed a wall of fire around me and I had a significant victory from that moment on because my friends fought with me. You are Jesus' property, and the devil has no business hassling you with his oppression and his discouragement. And we are serving notice to, to these demons that want to afflict your life. No more in Jesus' name. You have angelic fire and a wall of glory around your life, and the enemy cannot hassle you in this way any longer. Jesus' name. Katie, is our worship team still here?
let's enjoy the joy of our salvation. Can we end with a song just to enjoy that and to sing to the Lord? They've got about 60 seconds to come up with the best song. Okay. <laughs> the Lord will give it to them here in a moment. You're welcome to keep on coming forward to receive prayer. We're, we're going to do this until it's finished. But before we go home, let's just give thanks to the Lord. Let's sing one more song of worship. Let's love on Him and give thanks together because of the joy of our salvation. May you have grace to do warfare with those birds. They will never again steal seed from your heart. May you have grace to engage every stone that God shows you. May you have grace to go after those weeds. And may your heart be 100-fold fruitful in the kingdom of God. May you enjoy fresh grace now in the Holy Spirit. I bless you tonight. I bless you with fresh expectation, fresh joy, fresh delight in Jesus. May his word be sweeter to you than ever. May you leave this place tonight with your heart uplifted because Jesus is fighting for you. And may you have a fresh resolve in your spirit. Lord, I want to be more fruitful than ever. I want to keep on progressing in maturity and in consecration to you ever more 30-fold, 60-fold. I'm aiming for a hundred-fold fruitfulness by the grace of God. Let's go after it together. Amen. God bless you.